and welcome once again to the Sight and Insight podcast. Glad you could join us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about play in the production of paintings, which is kind of a follow-up on the, uh, the last two podcasts we've done where we've been talking about the left hand and right hand side of the brain and how it helps the, uh, the creative individual. Uh, but we, as Connie reminded us, whichever side you have predominant, you still need both sides to work together. Uh, but we always need a lot of play in uh, in creating anything, imagination. So uh, we're going to be talking to David Curtis and Lowen Connie Nagel, and they're going to be giving us the experts' point of view. And so we're going to go straight over to David and say to David. Uh, Harold Speed talks about dithering in uh, in the process of painting. Now, I come from Yorkshire, and if somebody's dithering, it means they can't make their mind up. I'm a kind of a ditherer. Um, but what does dithering mean in, uh, in terms of painting? Well, I, I think it says, the title says, play. And I think dithering is playing be- between the right side and the left side. And I think Connie will explain it more in depth than I will. But I, I do think, you, you mentioned Harold Speed, that's where I, I'm sort of coming from with the dithering. But Speed also mentions to be, uh, sometimes as a painter, to be inspired, you must um, sort of tune into your child a little bit. The, the child archetype, the, the child within you, in us all. Uh, and as kids, what did we do? We played, you know. Um, I remember, I think, I think the reason why play is so important because I think it boils things down to design much quicker than if we make these logical assumptions. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a tree, therefore it's got branches and leaves and twigs and everything. Well, maybe it doesn't. You know, maybe maybe it's a design that's part of a, a painting that you're not going to have the whole tree in the painting. Maybe it's just sitting on the edge of your canvas. And it's just the trunk, and you don't mm-hmm. see any branches or limbs. Um, playing with with the uh, uh, understanding of what you're looking at is maybe sometimes much better than just painting it exactly how you see it, painting it per se, as you would say. Mm-hmm. So I think this interplay is inviting, in my opinion, it invites not only the design, but the color, and uh, in di- in also invites a new interpretation of how you're seeing. Um, I had two little boys, one little boy playing with his toy soldiers, and I'm curious to say, well, logically, he's got all these soldiers down here, so he must be thinking about war, death, and destruction. And in watching him play, I didn't think that as a child he would have those thoughts of what death and destruction were. So when I asked him what he was doing, he was saying, well, I've got a big, he's got all these things going on. But when I went down to move one of his tanks or something to another space, no, that doesn't belong there. It belongs over here. And he could tell me why it belonged there. To me, that was just pure design. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what he was doing. In that play, he was designing something in, in, that associated with his, with his right side, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it gave it some logic, some purpose. Yeah. Because when I was little, I would play, but I was playing at Cowboys, so I don't know whether that's the same kind of thing or not. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. I mean, I, I think, um, too, we were talking about the right and left sides of the brain. I think I think play comes uh, forward and is more right-sided 
that it's more from the visual spatial, from the holistic um, kind of scene patterns as opposed to uh, naming and um, an object. Uh, when you see patterns, uh, like you were saying with, with, it sounds like with Sam, you know, or one of, or Noah, you know, looking at where his, his, um, you know, soldiers were going, um, it was a certain design. And uh, we can talk about play of light. We can talk play, you know, the play of forces together. Um, you know, the uh, play is also a, um, a to-and-throw movement. It's a movement back and forth. It's constantly, it's got a rhythm to mm -hmm. it. Um, I think, uh, too, that it's, um, it's when, when we open something up to play, whenever we say that, it's sort of like it's not serious anymore, you know. So then we can begin to think outside the box, you know. We don't have to stick with certain protocol, you know. Mm -hmm. We might say, uh, wow, uh, let me turn that you know, all over the place, and let me let me see what it looks like, you know, hanging upside down or this way or that way. Uh, what would it look like with a garish color here, mm -hmm. you know? And um, you realize, too, that there's maybe no right answer, mm -hmm. and also there's no goal. Usually with play, we don't have a goal in mind. We don't have something that we're moving toward. And and the one other thing I might mention is that I think nature, I think that when we play as, as children and as adults, that we're mimicking nature. Yeah, that's interesting. I like the, uh, the comment that you made. I was going to ask you about that, that uh, playing has no goal that brings it to an end. So it's something that can keep going. So if you're having a, a playful um, interpretation when you're painting, does that mean that how do you know when you've finished the painting? How can you bring that to... Well, is, is there an end in painting? I or is think, it I mean, this is just one answer, and I know David probably has his own opinions about this, but um, I was thinking that, that the playfulness in painting is in part of the process of painting, mm -hmm. that it's not... Um, that ultimately in our in our paintings we do want to end up with a complete piece i yeah. think and so i think in the process of coming to that end stage we play and the more i found personally that the more i experience a playfulness when i'm starting to paint i call it rifting mm -hmm. i rift off of like uh, i may look at and see a a road in front of me, instead of outlining that road, I play with it. I move it in, in a certain way with lost and found edges in a way that allows me and, uh, to, to just kind of free myself up and not say it's a road. I, I, yes, I, I absolutely, Connie. Uh, I also think that the, this play, this endless, endless play, I think I love that, that there's an endless amount of play. That play doesn't end. You know, it's not like recess at school where, okay, you got to come in. And how did we feel when we had to go in the school and the bell was ringing, right? Holy cow, we're all matching, marching to the same tune, you know. Um, and so play is, is 
doesn't have an end to it. And I think that's the important part of this. And I think in, if I was to apply it to the site side of things, I think we're talking about the rhythm. I think we're talking about movement and rhythm yeah. in the play and the tempo of the play in reaction. If, if it's the left side communicating with the right or vice versa, back to the left, um, I, I think it's this. there's a rhythm that we strike, mm. a strike uh, almost like the rhythm in actually applying paint to canvas. There's yeah. a certain rhythm, there's a certain motion that we mix the paint up and we put it down. And nine times out of ten, if you watch somebody else paint, their whole rhythm is totally different than the other person next to them. And it's that sort of rhythm of doing that sort of, I think, helps the, the in invitation of one side coming over the bridge. <laughs> uh, and there is a, we found out that there's more than one bridge that comes over the bridge to play with the right side and vice versa. Uh, and, and if you're so caught up in the visual part of it and making turning the form and making the forms appear, I, I think, yes, sometimes we have to have a rhythm that sort of negates uh, the interjection from the, the logical side. Oh, I wouldn't do that. No, don't, don't put that right in the middle. That would be a mistake. Well, maybe if you put something in the middle, it wouldn't be a mistake, depending on what you do elsewhere. And it's mm -hmm. that movement, that rhythm that we constantly want to have in a painting. So the question I would ask our psychologist, or Jody, is, is this musical then, if we're talking about rhythm? I think it is. Well, it, uh, yeah, I would think so if we're talking about... Um, you know, harmony and balance and, and one side, you know, the play between, uh, tension of opposites between them. Um, I think it it probably is. I find it easier to write with music in the background. Um, mm. And I know your dad used to paint to music often. And, you know, if it was some Beethoven's fifth, obviously there'd be big, heavy, <laughs> crashing seas and the storms coming in. <laughs> so depending on what music you're listening to, it can change the mood of what you're doing, I should think. The other thing I was going to say, it's like a dance as well. Mm -hmm. And the dancing aspect is that when we're painting, um, I think that, that the playfulness that we're referring to in this podcast uh, requires no effort. Like you can slap dash some, some, let's say, some flowers in the foreground and all this kind of stuff. And, and that in, in a way psychologically it's relieving it's relaxing mm -hmm. then you move back into serious viewing of the of the scene in front of you you might say wow you know i think i want to take a couple of those out but what it does is it frees you from that rigidity that mm -hmm. that rigid thinking that i've got to get this exactly like what i see in mm -hmm. front of me so true, Connie, that yeah. uh, how many students would I have that are trying to render it exactly the way I see it? And I said, well, let's move, you know, 10 feet over to the right here. Now look at it. Oh, this is, it's the same subject matter and everything, but seen from a slightly different point of view. So I said, so in your particular piece, you might have to move the tree. Oh, you're not allowed to move the tree. Well, of course you can move the tree if it makes, a if it makes rhythm. Mm -hmm. So composition or design, um, is this interplay, right side, left side, with the music? And then, of course, as everybody, I mean, it doesn't happen to me, but I know it happens to the ladies. They hear a piece of music, they start dancing. 
<laughs> it's like automatic. So I'm I'm thinking that the, maybe is that the is that the the language between the right side and the left side. I mean, play well, is true, but. Well, um, I don't know what if there is a language that moves you right from right to left and left to right. But I believe that, and also I think, uh, speaking as a psychologist, that that we're really pretty unaware when we have moved from left to right. Mm-hmm. But we will notice, and this is the part that where we are aware, is we'll notice that we, uh, Judy was referring to it in a previous podcast, we're more relaxed, we're happier, mm-hmm. we're uh, less uh, uptight. And, and usually in that, when we experience those feelings, we're uh, in the right side, the more visual spatial element, and we've given this left side a little bit of a, a relaxation, uh, a rest. Mm-hmm. See, I think it's interesting when you talked about um, this, this playfulness, it shows that it, you're not straining to do something. It's yeah. supposed to be relaxing. So... As a writer, if I'm writing at the computer, I can get so frustrated with the technology because it doesn't go as quick as I want it to. And you're waiting and you wait. I want to get on. I've got this thought. Whereas as a painter, it's much more tactile. You've got brushes. You've got, you've got to mix the colors. You're going to squeeze the paint out. Mm-hmm. Um, does, is that a, a relaxing thing for an artist to, to just use the, those materials and then you've got to put make strokes on the canvas. It's much more about um, playing with something rather than, you know, like I say, creating something at a computer where yeah. you're just putting, recording your words. I think in some ways uh, the materials that we're Is talking about... Is that more about, playful to, to use something like maybe that? Maybe so. I think so because um, you might even say that maybe a sculptor is even... Uh, able because they're touching the clay mm-hmm. or they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're really into the kinesthetic, the tactile aspect of it, that that might even be more playful. But yeah. but I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I really, I don't have an answer to no, it. No, it was just but, something I thought about that, you know, whilst you're playing at creating something, um, it must be, it's more relaxing for an artist than to be creating something, you know, I use my computer as more of a glorified word processor. I'm yeah. I'm just trying to get the, the words down from whichever side of the brain happens to be working at that <laughs> time. But it can be so frustrating. It's probably it was probably better to pick up a pencil or a pen and write. I remember years ago David heard a, a show where some author was talking about how they um, how they wrote uh, and they had a nice pen, a proper ink pen. Uh. Uh, um, so that they, because it was the act of writing that made the actual words better, because you 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 were using these wonderful tools, uh, and you mm-hmm. bought me a beautiful pen so that I could I could write beautiful oh, words so with it. And yeah. I lost it when we took. Uh, we think we had to take Noah to a soccer game, and I I lost it whilst <laughs> in this uh. stampede of soccer kids. <laughs> well, you know, you bring up a good point, and I, and I think I, I met a. A gentleman once who was an art dealer, and he was talking about all these John Singer Sargent paintings without signatures, and then nobody can prove that they were Sargents, but experts would confirm that it was or wasn't by the brushstrokes. But so the question I had was, well, why were there all these loose sketches? And it seems that Sargent felt that the styling of a painting was very, very important. 
and just getting going with the painting. And, it, and, and I took it to mean that he had to be in a physical rhythm of painting. Mm-hmm. And it was that physical rhythm that was so important to him that he wasn't just a matter of getting the right color, getting the right shape. It was much more about the rhythm of doing mm-hmm. that was important true. to him. Yeah. And in that doing, that's what created everything. And I think that that would be, it sort of applies to when I think of Sargent and how he learned to paint from um, influences from so many other painters. He's a wonderful study unto himself because he was influenced by Baldini, Giovanni Baldini, and uh, Zorn, and Soroyer, and Claude Monet, and, and, and his teacher Duran. But those influences, I think he applied them in that, in that manner of uh, like starting an old-fashioned car. You have to crank it and crank it and crank it, and, and finally it, it goes, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think it's I, th- I think it's very important. I think too. I was going to mention that um, that jazz. I I when I was learning color color mixing, um, it was really difficult. Like I would think about the colors, and I would think about how to subdue a green, and you know, or or bring up something and make it really luminous and. Um, and once I had that color language down, I began to think about painting as, as like I would like I was doing jazz. And I always thought about uh, that it was jazz that I was rifting. I was doing this and this, and then I'd do this kind of refrain, and and so I believe that that's all part of the play. Well, I think, you know? and, and you were talking earlier. You and I were talking about. Maybe color is is has a tactile sense. Yeah, we were talking and what about was that. The expression you used, the psychological expression. Well, I thought cognitive. Well, no, I said that the visual cortex, actually, in blind people, um, the visual cortex moves into their tactile um, uh, sensation, and they can read braille even quicker more fluidly than, and, and what they found was that because they couldn't see, this aspect of the brain went into their touch, their, their ability to touch, and made it so fine-tuned mm. that, that they were actually excelled mm. in this kind of th- mm. thing. So it's, it's fascinating, and I, I am curious to see if there's a correlation between the visual-spatial aspects and touch well i just thought it was interesting you said that it's color that did yeah made the movement for you and it was the understanding it wasn't so much the the interpretation of the color because nobody interprets the color the same as the other right. um as the other person everybody sees it slightly different even though we all paint the same subject um somebody just sees the color differently so i i, I think that that's interesting that color is that the right side of the or where is it? Where is we the don't color? know. But I did say to you it's on the bridge. I remember I said something about that the tactile quality of a surface in nature may evoke a color. Yeah, and that the texture uh, is is really critical. I think that's, you know. I think that's amazing. And maybe we can remember colors because of the texture. Right, something. right, and a texture can that doesn't have to be the tactile, the blind, stuff. right, 
texturous is felt emotionally, right? I mean, as we yeah, see and something. seen. And right, texture seen. is right. seen. Right. Yeah. Everything has a texture. Yeah. You know, there's a flower, beautiful flower over here. Right. And the texture of the flower versus the texture of everything around it, totally different. Right. Everything exactly. One own. looks smooth. One looks rough. One has... And that could be a color you know, interpretation. Uh, yeah. Uh, Don't you think? I, I think it's amazing. I think yeah. it's amazing that yeah. we're... Uh, uh, that we can go that far with understanding color. Um, right. And, uh, I guess the other thing about um, that we were talking about play is that it really has, you know, emphasized the fact that there is no goal, no effort, and we experience some relaxation whenever we're playing. Right. At anything that we're doing, you know, even if it's cooking, um, if we begin to be more playful about it, you know, putting something else into it. We find ourselves laughing, you know, lightening up, let's yeah. say. Yes. You know, yeah. and yeah. and don't get too serious. And we certainly want that to happen when we paint. I think it's, I think as you, I think all, all of the podcast that we're recently doing has to do with this more about thinking yeah. and how important is thinking. And I can remember back to... Uh, um, my high school art teacher was happened to be my uncle, and um, he was the one who he loved to play with students. He was uh, he had been there for many years as the art instructor, and uh, very unusual person, professional artist, but he taught for a living. And uh, the very first class we walked into, uh, there was a straight line on the blackboard and a dot, and underneath the straight line it said, "This is a circle." Uh, and the dot said, this is a line one mile long. <laughs> and we had to prove it. And, of course, we all looked at each other after coming from English or history or wherever the class we were coming from. We had to look at this and say, this man is absolutely crazy. You know, <laughs> I love he it. doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, and he would not give us the answer. He was a great teacher. He would say, no, I'm not giving you the answer. You know, most beginning teachers would be dying to tell you the answer. He said, no, I, you have to think. And that was the first time I understood. And he, he believed that the, a painter had to be an eclectic thinker. He could not just, that was beautiful. Um, just make up his mind or, you know, as you're mm -hmm. saying, just the logical side will carry me on or the right, you know, the left mm -hmm. side. But... But we did find out that it was all a point of view, that that, yeah, line, that, makes you think about that line was a circle because we were looking at like a pie plate line straight on at our eye level. Or a frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> and then as I stood up, there was the frisbee. You know? <laughs> and the dot was obviously a line. You were at the end of the line. Uh -huh. You know, <laughs> you had a long wait. But I, I think just, just if you can interject thinking, I couldn't interject at all. That's my problem. You two were just going at it. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I think we uh, we were rifting. You definitely yes, yes. and yes. it was a wonderful rift. I enjoyed yeah. every moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've come to uh, the end of yet another podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if any of you ever have any questions for our panel here, do uh, do drop us a line. We're always pleased to hear from you. Uh, otherwise, I hope you have a great week uh, and we'll be with you again uh, for our next episode in two weeks. So have a great day and goodbye for now. <laughs>